Our guest in the studio to start things off is uh, Vet Pete Wedderburn. Uh, Pete, good afternoon to you good and afternoon. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Same to you, Sean. And how was the Christmas and the New Year and all that sort it, of stuff? It was lovely. It was great to get a bit of time off and um, chill and think and relax and all that sort of stuff. We had a bit of a frightening... All these storms have been happening across Ireland these last few days. And we mm. happened to... Our New Year, we spent um, near Mam in Connemara, up the Glenlosh Valley, miles away from anywhere. And we'd, we'd kind of heard all these rumours that it was going to be the end of the world and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> anyway, quarter to 12, there was a great flash of lightning and the power went completely and that was it. Everything was utterly dead. And, you know, when you're up the Glen Losh Valley, it, it could well... If it was the end of the world, you wouldn't know, really, mm. because it, life carries on as normal. <laughs> up there. So anyway, so it wasn't until the next morning that we came back down to, to Keane's Pub at, at Mam that we realised that, in fact, it wasn't the end of the world and newspapers were for sale and it was all all right. Uh, but, that, but that's a kind of nice uh, back-to-basics <laughs> living then, was it just lighting candles and, and, and singing songs? You're right, that's what it was. That's how our New Year was. And thank you very much, Annie and Henna, for enabling it because it's a lovely place to visit. And if, mm. if you want, it's a great antidote to the madness of kind of urban Ireland. You know, you, Ireland really is all about that simple life, isn't it? That's what, that used to be Ireland's great strength and I think we've maybe forgotten that a bit. But it's still there. Yeah, it's still there. But I suppose uh, Ireland is mostly an urban place now. I think more it, people, people live in urban areas now than they, they do in rural areas. They do, but I tell you, just two or three days over in the, in the Connemara Mountains is enough to remind you that there's more to life than exhaust fumes and people. <laughs> uh, Suzanne on Twitter already has a question for you. Because you asked Pete, has he any advice on how to teach recall to a deaf dog? Uh, um, Teaching recall to a deaf dog, you yes. have to use hand signals. That's uh, what you have to do. All right, yeah, she says she rescued a dog who turned out to be deaf. Yeah. Is that common? It's very, especially dogs that have got little pigments in their body. So all white dogs, for example, like all white, um, um, Dalmatians with very few spots, for example, or, or um, anyway, a lot of animals are utterly deaf. And because of that, they, they obviously they won't come if you call them. But what they will do... <laughs> They will do is they will respond to hand signals. You just mm. have to train them in a different way. And you can actually buy textbooks all about training dogs with hand signals, right. teaching deaf dogs. In fact, just Google it, teaching a deaf dog. And there's all these videos are there all about all that sort of stuff. And, and presumably, though, to, 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 to do it with hand signals, the dog has to be looking at you. You, you have to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How do you make sure that you have to be running around going, no, come here. <laughs> But I think what you do is you, 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 you teach a dog to look at you and it's, it's a bit more complicated than, yes. than, than, than obviously because um, they don't need to look at you to hear you, do they? Yes, no. yeah. But, but they, they, um, I suppose you get them into the training mode so they, they want to look at you because they know you've basically you're, you're the source of what's going on. Mm. Uh, you've got treats is often how it starts, in fact. You're the source of the treats and so they're going to look at you, of course. And, and, so, is it, and deafness is, is quite common in dogs. Um, it's it's it, I mean, surprisingly common. Yes, it is. Yeah, partial deafness is more common, much more difficult to sort out or to identify because mm. you know um, you have to use electronic testing to do that, and that's not widely done. Wow, because I mean, imagine yeah. for a dog, because a dog would I, I assume depend on its hearing more than perhaps we would. It would indeed. Yeah, they they they, they need their hearing. Um, especially for things like walking in, in, uh, where there's traffic and so on, and to, to hear a car coming beside them. Well, we wouldn't need that as well, of course, wouldn't mm. we? Yeah, well, dogs, dogs, they can get into serious trouble if they can't hear. Uh, well, yeah, you, you, you'd yeah. imagine so, yeah. Yeah. My yeah. God. Uh, the, uh, actually, we did an item uh, um, uh, just before the Christmas about... Uh, the, the, you know the instances of people uh, uh, buying dogs, and then apparently for some for, for some reason lurchers. A lot of lurchers are bought and then kind of dumped after 
after Christmas. Is, yeah. is, is that something you see a, a, a lot of, or do you see people coming back and saying, well, we got this dog, we don't really want it now? I think the messages go out there that it's wrong to give pets as presents. The message is out there, so it'd be uncommon for that to happen. But I did hear uh, just three days after Christmas about a dog being brought back to a rescue centre because it was an unwanted present. Like, it does still happen. Unbelievable as it is, people still do this. The bit, I mean, you know, what can you do? You can just say that so many times. It's wrong to give a pet as a present. That's not what to do. Because like, mm. people, you know, they're with you for life. They're, they're, they're not something to have as a surprise or a whim, you know, that you... You have to plan it properly. The whole secret to successful pet ownership is planning. And that means thinking about what animal you're going to get and getting ready for an advance and all that sort of stuff. If you give somebody a present of a pet, that can't happen. So it's just the wrong thing to do. Yeah, because and, and they were saying, uh, people from the DSPCA we had in, that uh, they will find dogs just left outside the premises. Yeah, uh, it, it, it happens all the time. Um, even, if, even if they're not given this presence, it's one thing to get a cute, cuddly pup. You know, the long then, spindly legs and the little Bambi-like eyes. You think, ah. But then it grows into a, a big animal that eats, eats lots of expensive food and um, has to be taken for a walk and choose things if it doesn't get taken for a walk. And, you know, it's just a pain in the neck mm. if you're not ready for it, yeah. if it's not the right animal. So they then get abandoned. So it's a common problem. Uh, yeah, a lot of people as well uh, at this time of the year, uh, you know, might be feeling they're a bit porky. They might have overindulged uh, mm. over the Christmas. Does that happen to animals as well? Because it's just Christmas, people are too lazy to take the dog for a walk and they're chucking them chocolate and crap they shouldn't be eating at all. You'd be surprised, but yes, people come into me and I weigh that. We always weigh dogs when they come brought, get brought to the vet because, you know, regular monitoring is a way to make sure you spot it early. And they'd be amazed how often you weigh a dog and it's gone up a few kilos and say, oh, yeah, it's just his winter weight. He always yeah. does this, you know. <laughs> it's true. And they lose weight in the summer. Well, obviously, because they exercise more. There's longer days, more bright um, evenings, and they exercise more. So definitely, yeah, uh, same so trend. Uh, so, but if they put on a bit of weight during the winter, then that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. <laughs> Well, a little it, more it depends than it is, on how much. <laughs> look, it's not ideal, is it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, the main thing is to be weighing it, to be monitoring it. So if it's gone up a couple of kilos, you can say, look, it's gone up a couple of kilos, now watch it. You know? mm. And then hopefully it won't go up another couple of kilos. It's once it's gone up, once it's gone up seven or ten kilos, that you know, then, it, then that's a serious issue that's very hard to stop. And, mm. um, you know, it, it's just it's like a massive challenge at that stage. And with, would say a dog, for instance, you know the way, I don't know, actually, I don't know if this is true or not, you know, the, mm. there's this logic that, that, that if you just keep feeding a goldfish, it'll just keep eating until it explodes. It's not quite true. But <laughs> no, it's a not. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, you've told me something already. Uh, yeah, but dogs don't have a very good off button. I mean, mm. how that particularly applies would be with chocolates. Like, if I gave you, like, a mammoth box of Butler's chocolates or something. You probably, you know, you're you, even if I said to you, look, forget about the effect it has on your your weight or all that sort of stuff. Just eat as many as you can eat. You might get through ten before you began to feel a bit queasy. Mm. Whereas a dog would eat all of them. Like if there are fifty chocolates or a hundred chocolates, the dog would just keep eating, 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 eating. They just don't stop when there's something delicious in front of them. Mm. And that's a really big issue with chocolate because they get poisoned by chocolate. Yeah, I thought, yeah, dogs weren't supposed to eat chocolate at all. It was like no. giving them cocaine or well, something. Well, no, like if you gave a dog one chocolate, unless it's a tiny, tiny dog, it's not really going to cause it a big deal of harm. Mm. But I have seen dogs being killed by chocolates. And the reason they're killed by chocolates is because they just don't stop eating. So, for example, a Cavalier King Charles might see a normal box of chocolates and just eat them all. It wouldn't just eat two or three. It would 
eat them all. And so you suddenly get a massive dose of chocolate on a little dog, and, and, and that, that kills will poison them. them. It, it actually, it, it, it's a serious thing. It causes heart failure. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, so, so you better keep... I mean, the main thing is not... Ju- First of all, don't give dog chocolates to dogs as treats. But secondly, just keep chocolates out of reach of dogs because they will jump up onto tables and they will sort of try to get into cupboards if, if they smell chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's if you're giving them chocolate in the first instance. That, that's when they kind of get a taste for it. Or well, no, they, they, even they, if they've never had chocolate before. Even if they've never had chocolate. There's something about the chocolate smell and taste which seems to cross the species barrier. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> for, for everybody. Uh, 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 somebody wants to know, what's the law on bringing a dog from the US uh, to the UK uh, to Belfast? Well, do you know, it's just changed as of the 1st of January, three days ago, which is interesting mm. in the sense that up until up until then you had to well, you had to microchip the dog, give it a rabies vaccine, then a month afterwards, take a blood sample, and then six months after that, you could come into Ireland from the States. So there's a seven-month lead-in. But what's just happened is they've dropped the need for the blood sample, and they've reduced the period to three months. Right, okay. So it's microchipping, rabies vaccine, and delay of a while. But I would always say go and check the Department of Agriculture website on importing dogs to Ireland because, you know, um, the law and indeed the interpretation of the law does vary somewhat mm. from time to time. And for that three-month period, is, is the dog, uh, if they, a dog's being brought from the US to the UK, is it in, in quarantine in, in no. the UK for three months? or No, no, it doesn't need to be in qu- quarantine. It just stays, stays where it is. Right, okay, uh, uh, for that three months. Uh, uh, Dermot says, my dog loves sprouts. Is this normal? Yeah, sure. Uh, dogs love lots of things, including sprouts, yeah. Would a sprout be good for a dog, bad it's for a dog, the, uh, neutral? Well, I think, uh, you know, what would, what would happen to you if you ate uh, a kilo of sprouts? I'd probably gag. <laughs> <laughs> I'd gag about one sprout. It also tends to produce a yes, certain amount yes, of gas, yes, right? Yeah. So, same thing is likely to happen to dogs, so I would stay away from giving dogs lots of sprouts. Mm. But occasional sprouts, as indeed occasional most things, apart from chocolates, is, All is, things in moderation. Exactly. But then again, I mean, if it's a Christmas situation, uh, everyone's had some sprouts. The dog's had a few sprouts. Everyone can blame the dog. <laughs> Quite <laughs> handy. As a use in that, in that particular <laughs> regard. Uh, right, we will take a break. We'll talk more with Pete after this. 1890 is our low call number. Our text number is 53106. It will cost you 30 cent. Or you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Pete Wedderburn uh, is still with us. Uh, Pete, a uh, uh, listener wants to know, uh, I took my cat hiking. I used a harness and a lead and he definitely seemed to enjoy this. Is there anything weird or wrong with this? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a little weird, but there's nothing wrong with little weirdness in this world. It's, cats okay. don't generally like going on harnesses, but they can be trained to, and some cats love it. And it's certainly way better to have a cat in a harness than a cat not in a harness, because you know, you'd know you rather have control of the cat if it's going outside of your own territory. Sure, I know some people take their cats for a walk. Yeah, it's okay. grand. Fair enough. Fine. Uh, uh, Emer uh, says, uh, can you ask Pete how to deal with a five-year-old neutered bitch who's gotten very randy? Her bed is in bits. I'm mortified. Well... Um, it'd be interesting to look at a video of that, and I don't mean that for any <laughs> solid reason. Only, only, in, only in that I wonder what this dog is really doing. Because if she's if she's spayed, if she's neutered, then it's not a sexual thing that she's doing. Mm. Um, she, she, you know, she may. I don't, I don't know exactly what she's doing, but um, it's it's not something to do with re- reproduction. It's uh, dogs have lots of behaviours that 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 are more to do with dogs' social interactions and um, displacement activities. And um, things other than what humans perceive them to be. Yes. Okay. So I'd, a dog that's got any weird behavior like that, I would be making sure that she's providing it with plenty of good, wholesome 
behaviour, like lots of things for the dog to chew, uh, getting taken for a walk for half an hour, twice a day, burning up all that mental and physical energy in in ways that are uh, appreciated by the family rather than ways which cause embarrassment or whatever the heck's going on there. Mm. Uh, is it true that you should not feed a dog one day a week, something to do with their hunt or temperament? Maybe I dreamt this up, uh, says Nolene. No, you didn't dream it up, Nolene. I have heard that before, but I don't believe it for a moment. Um, I guess there are, there's thousands of theories about dog nutrition and lots of people are absolutely adamant that their way is the right way. But the truth is there's lots of different ways of feeding dogs, just like there's lots of different ways for humans to feed. And lots of humans believe you should fast yourself once a day, one, one day a week as well. And mm. good luck to them. But it's it's not for me. And starving one day a week isn't for my dog either. He would just look at me with those big eyes and I would just know it's the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so don't feel you have to do that. Uh, Brian and Navin says, wasn't Pete involved with the infamous puppies on Echo Island with Dara Brian many years ago? What's his take on this story? Oh, this sounds yeah. like a scandal. Uh, you involved uh, in a scandal. Uh, I can't believe Dara let this out of the bag. Yeah. 15 years later, you'd think he was safe, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So what happened? What happened was he, he went on, an, Dara went on an RTE programme, I think, at the weekend and went and spilled the beans. Uh, <laughs> it was about there was a program called Echo Island um, I did with 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 RTE about fifteen sixteen years ago and mm. um, a bit like it was a bit like kind of Blue Peter of, of of RTE for a while for a good few years ran for five or six years and I was the vet every week and I'd I'd see these kids they come in with their pets and I'd check the pets out and answer the questions and that was it and as part of that one of the projects that we did was a stray a stray um, crossbred greyhound came in and she was pregnant and we thought it would be really interesting and useful to to take to, to follow the pregnancy through and to, to to teach the children about what happens and how many pups are produced and all this sort of stuff and so we we set up a cameras in a we got a, a dedicated whelping unit for her and set up cameras to watch her and um, basically the whole idea was we were able to film the, the immediately after the whelping and teach children about how puppies grew and how they developed and so mm. on and um well and everybody got quite involved with the puppies the, the, the little dog was called frida she was a lovely girl and um the the um, pups were, were adorable pups as well the problem was this that they they, they 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 got something that's called fading puppy syndrome which which breeders will know about and it's really unfortunate and what happens is basically the puppies die one by one oh, so this is almost like cot death for puppies it's, it it's, like that? It's, 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 it's infectious. It, like, ah. it, so it's, it's worse than it's like not just one, but the whole litter. So, so what happened was we lost a couple of the pups, and that was easy enough to keep quiet because there were nine of them. But then the rest of them started fading and dying as well. And we were doing everything within our powers to keep these pups alive and all the tests we could think of and all you know all the treatments that were available. But unfortunately, they kept on fading and dying on us and. It was very awkward and embarrassing because half the nation's children were watching this saga unfold. Mm. And, you know, to to their little psyches, it would be dreadful to yeah. say, look, here are these wonderful puppies and look, there they are all dying. I mean, it's just not got a positive mm. sound to it at all, has it? Um, where's, where's the message there? Where's yeah. the message? So I don't actually rem- remember exactly what happens because it's 15 years ago now and I, it's it's one of those things which is I think I've probably deliberately forgotten it um, because it was so so sad but um, basically I think that perhaps we weren't absolutely upfront and direct with, with, with the children about what was going on there that's mm. the best way to leave it perhaps were stunt puppies involved? Stunt puppies. <laughs> there is like, nothing. Maybe, so, well, I don't know. Well, what I mean, that, like uh, other puppies, you know, that look kind of more or less the same. We go, oh, there body they go, doubles. Body, body doubles. doubles. Yeah, everything's great. Uh, or old footage. I'm sure we might have done that if it was possible. I don't think it happened. I'm not sure what Dara said on the telly about it, but I do know Dara's in town 
what Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday this week. I think is tickets are like gold dust. I don't, I don't think you need some publicity for that. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you. Uh, so, oh, you, so you can't remember. <laughs> uh, I think that's uh, that's uh, in lots of tribunals. Bit, that's uh, the normal answer. Convenient, isn't it? Um, I, re- I remember it's being a, a sad occasion where we um, we 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 avoided um, being utterly truthful. I yeah. Is that is that is that the best way to put it? Yeah. Well, you lied. Didn't tell lie to all those little children. No, it's withholding truth is different to lying, I think. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Father Wedderburn, for that. (laughs) Mental reservation. Uh, Sean and Walk at the South says, can we do anything about a dog barking all day? We think its owners live in a rented house and the dog is not allowed inside. Uh, The dog is obviously lonely, but it's driving us mad. Well, what can you do about it is that you you need to talk to the owner, basically. Um, that's the best thing to do is somehow get a message to the owner. However, you do that. Mm-hmm. Like if if you talk to the owner and get no response, well, then you can of course go through legislation like you know local authority laws on on noise control, and um, you know it's possible then to get the local authorities to take some sort of action. But that's an awful long-winded, complicated way to go. Mm-hmm. And I'd always say, look, talk to talk to talk to people. It's I mean it's all about negotiation, and you know. Um, why wait for the for some law to pass some edict that then has to be hammered home by police officers? Go and talk to them, explain your problem, and, and um, most things can be sorted out in that way. It's yeah. a far better way of doing it. Uh, Seamus Dublin says, I cut a hole in the side of a shed and put a rabbit hutch inside with an outside run. My ungrateful rabbit dug a burrow under the shed and moves in there at night. Which is best for him, underground or indoors in the shed? Well, um, <laughs> I, I suspect that Rabbi knows what's best for him and I think mm. that means burrow under the ground is best for him yeah um, rabbits do what they like to do and um, I don't think he'd be ungrateful as such I'm sure he's very grateful but it's just like it <laughs> Seamus went to all that trouble he <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just dug yeah. him a hole in the ground uh, Peter Donegal says uh, can you ask Peter is it okay to leave my dog outside in his kennel do they feel the cold uh, it's a Labrador and he's used to the outside the key thing there is he's, he's used to the outside I, I think if you had a, if you took a, an urban pooch that has, has never been outside and is other than for walks in the daytime if you start suck him outside in, in a cold night it would be cruelty but a dog that's habituated to being to living in a, a in an outdoor shed as long as it's got somewhere that's that's dry draft proof um, and it's got some degree of comfort in it mm. you know like some bedding or whatever then most dogs that are used to that will be very comfortable and there's nothing wrong with that um, i think common sense also applies like if it's like sub-zero temperatures then you should you know, yeah, provide some course. sort of heating. You can get these heating pads that you put in the microwave that warm up and they stay warm for 12 hours. Mm. Give that sort of thing to, to, to a dog that's outside as well. That'll help a bit too. Uh, before I let you go, there was, there, was a, there was a story today that in apparently in South Kerry, there's an advertising campaign uh, uh, to tackle uh, what is seen as epidemic rates of, of uh, suicide there. Uh, mm. And you were saying to me there, Pete, that, that vets have an inordinately high suicide rate. They do. Uh, it's a global thing. Vets in every country have this... A suicide rate that's about seven times the, the average and um, there's lots and lots of research being done to try and find out why and we don't really know why the three main theories are first of all that we have the access to drugs that 
to kill animals, to euthanize animals. Mm. And so so we, we, it's easier for us to do that because we can inject ourselves. Um, the second theory is that we're used to euthanizing animals, and so we see the peace that death brings. And if we're feeling rotten about the world, then we sort of transfer that to ourselves and think about the peace that it might bring us. So that's the second theory. And the third theory is that that um, vets just are overstressed beings. And, you know, like a lot of vets would be working 10, 11, 12-hour days and often be on call for, um, you know... Uh, weekends and nights mm. and they don't get enough downtime and they get, end up getting burnt out and they can't see it they're burnt out until they're deeply depressed and it's kind of it's too late so yeah because i suppose um, that most veterinary practices tend to be you know one person bands rather than practices and so the workload can't be really shared that's the, the, the traditional model i mean it has changed and it is changing um, for example now in urban areas like dublin we have a shared emergency clinic so it's you know um vets don't actually have to be on call because somebody else is paid to be on call for maybe 20 clinics all at once mm. and so, so things are changing and, and there are um in many rural areas now vets are going to shared rotors so a vet practice might share with the other two practices in town so that the burden is less than mm. so vets have vets been rec- have recognized the, the problem of of not just suicide but also uh, um, addiction-type problems and other mental illness problems, they've recognized that there's a big problem in the profession. And so for the last decade, they've been trying to shift um, some of the stresses away from, from from vets by doing things like shared rotors and emergency clinics and That's so interesting because people, I'd say a lot of people would have a kind of a stereotype James Herriot notion of being yeah. a vet, that it's, lo- it's a lovely job. <laughs> yes. You just hang out with Idyllic, animals all yeah. day long. Sitting in, having farmhouse meals and laughing with the farmers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly yeah. not. Even your vet gets stressed. Pete, mm. take it handy. Great to see you and Happy New Year to you. Pete Wedderburn there, folks. Uh, we'll be back with the news.